Welcome in everybody to a uh, bittersweet Blue Jay beat. Um, maybe only bittersweet for you personally, and maybe me too. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's yeah. Uh, th- I mean, we're gonna talk. Uh, the, the good thing is we're gonna talk about a win, so we don't have to deal with the doomsday questions. I was gonna say, I think most of the fans for this is just a pretty yeah. sweet day. It is a pretty good day. You're right. I think yeah. So maybe from the outside coming in at us, everybody's like. Y'all, awesome. sound, y'all sound weird. But <laughs> yeah. Real glad the Jays won. Um, yeah, this is John's final uh, day on the Creighton beat, so we're going to send him off um, and talk about the Jays. Another another epic with Marquette. I mean, this was kind of like when you circled your final day, right? We were, you're just like, I think we were talking about it. Just give me one more epic between the Jays and the Golden Eagles, and right. I'll go off. Into the next phase of life, so I mean, the, I if it was like this, eighty-three, eighty-two, it wasn't there wasn't much distance the whole game. Like it was played pretty much punch for punch. Um, what? Why did why did Creighton win? You know, down seventy-eight, seventy-three, five minutes left. Felt like Marquette was really efficient attacking downhill, getting into that mid-range area, getting to the rim. Um, some a place where Creighton does pretty good at. Yeah. Not only forcing teams to go there, but also stopping them from scoring down there. But Marquette was pretty good. I think they were, I think at one point they were shooting sixty seven percent for the game inside the arc. Uh, so why why did Creighton win this game? What happened in the last five minutes, in your opinion? Honestly, I think Creighton just they played tough. Yeah. Dug deep. Um, Marquette kind of threw it away. I hate to say yeah, that because I want to give Creighton credit. But it, it it's it, twofold. It felt like Marquette gave it away. There were some bizarre. Creighton had to be there to be ready. Yeah, and like, I think you got to give. I mean, the Jays' starters all were on the court basically the whole game. It's basically, and, all they have left is right. starters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. all they got left. And then obviously, uh, Roddy made that impact play at the end. But like, mm. it, Creighton had to put itself in position to seize it. Mm-hmm. But I do think Marquette, I mean, missed some bunnies. The turnovers, just really a couple inex- just terrible mistakes by yep. by Marquette down the stretch. So, so was it a, was it a percentages thing? Did the percentages just even out? Like, actually, you you might because they were hot. That's and that's what so Greg McDermott kind of argued at the end of the game, or that's one of the reasons why the coaches Creighton stuck to that game plan. Like they were giving away the mid range jump shots, the tough twos. Marquette was hitting those all game. But analytically, that's the worst shot on the floor. Mm-hmm. And Creighton's into analytics. They want to give up, if they're going to give up a shot. And he mentioned, too, about Marquette's ability to share the ball if they could turn Marquette into a one on one playmaking team, which is what teams, opponents Creighton. try to do to Creighton. Yep. Um, they don't want Creighton sharing the ball. So Creighton didn't want Marquette sharing it. Um, so in the end, I mean, it worked because they won. So 100% kudos to them. But I. As sort of a non-biased observer watching the game, I'm like, and yeah, maybe the percentage is caught up. You play that thing ten easy. times, there you go. Five, yeah, five I mean, if you ways. give if you give yeah. Justin Lewis, Lewis a layup at the rim mm-hmm. ten times, I think he's making nine of them, but he missed one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe maybe that first Morcel shot. This was like maybe ninety seconds left. Um, Daryl Morcel had a like a ten foot jumper that like hit the back rim. Mm-hmm. Maybe that one was a percentage one, but like it's hard for me to 
like layups. Uh, yeah. uh, Lewis missed one, and then the next possession, um, Prosper missed one. Like he went right at Kalkbrenner and missed a layup. Those two were bad. like you got to hit those. Yeah. And then the turnovers, the mistakes. But you got to give Creighton some credit, obviously, for doing what it needed to, and then executing down the stretch with with some um, with some good offensive plays. So yeah, I don't like. I feel bad like taking credit away from Creighton a little bit by just saying that Marquette didn't rise to the occasion. But it, it felt like Creighton was good down the stretch, and Marquette wasn't. And and well, it feels like well, it feels like these two teams have played this game twice now. Honestly, yeah, and Creighton's won both of them. So right at the end, I, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so with I better think, execution, right, right. But also, you know, like if you're Marquette, you like, kind I think of wish you can go back to Milwaukee and say Alex O'Connell throws in a three that you would seem like if you played that out in a simulation, it's low percentage. Sure, but you're as, but, but you but you also got that, and then Creighton out executed Marquette in the other in the fight, yeah. you know, like Hawkins. On the DHO, Roddy on the iso- on the isolation yep. drive, like and, and today, what was Marquette like one of nine from three in that against game Creighton's and, own, and, against right? his yeah, own, yeah. And then today it's like okay, Marquette's second, having a lot of success, a lot of success in kind of just taking control of the game, scoring where Creighton wants them to go, playing into Creighton's hands, but using it to their advantage. But then again, the numbers just you know normalized a little bit, just enough um, to where Creighton was in it, and then you get. Veteran plays by Ryan Hawkins. Um, honestly, at this point, Ryan Nemhard looked like a veteran point guard today. I know he had six turnovers against, but against Marquette, I feel like with the with the ball in his hands, thirty nine minutes, like that's that's a number you you can still win with. Yeah. Um, and Kalkbender was Kalkbender. I just think you know, they the the Jays looked like veterans down the stretch today. And I thought and they, that, and I thought have. I thought that's why they've looked like veterans on the stretch in a lot of their games this year. Yeah. Um, so they, they've kind of been building up to this type of moment. Um, so, you know, there, there, are mo- there are games where a team, your opponent maybe doesn't play its best down the stretch, and you're not able to capitalize because right. you're not also ready. Mm-hmm. Creighton was ready. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and, you know, some of the things that uh, the Jays did, whether it was Hawkins knocking the ball away from Justin Lewis to set up that go-ahead layup with a minute left, um, like he 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 did deflect the ball away from just oh, it happened right in front of me. He knocked the ball out of Justin Lewis's hands. Mm-hmm. Nemhart picks it up, races on the court, pitches it back to Hawkins for a layup that put Creighton ahead like eighty seventy nine I think. Mm-hmm. And that was the that was the final time like Creighton had the lead for good there, <coughs> the last lead change of the game. And and Rati's play against Morcel just kind of like sizing him up and being a little bit aggressive because he knew he had a foul to give if he wanted to use it. Um, and maybe spooking Marcel a little bit too yeah. into a turnover, into just like a little bit of unsure dribble, yeah. yeah. And, and then he lost it. So there was, I mean, Creighton did some stuff, rebounded when it needed to. Yep. Um, but I, yeah, I, and then Marquette I, also did some bo- like weird, like Greg Elliott, Sam Elliott, your boy, <laughs> Greg Sam Elliott. <laughs> yeah, Greg Sam Elliott. For those who don't like, know, I used to always call him Sam Elliott on accident. And for, and, and, and dude's been playing for like seven yeah. years, so like the whole time I've been on this beat, I've been calling him Sam Elliott. <laughs> Um, but that was a very bizarre turnover because you he, uh, you don't need to be over that overzealous on the end line. Oh yeah, yeah. When you're coming full court, like just get the ball into somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't got to be that pretty with it. So that was a weird. But that's what Marquette did. They did some weird stuff. Like they were not. <clears throat> you know, it comes down to something, and I think you used the word in the press conference, and I thought it was you know, I, I think it's an apt 
word to describe this game. Like, one team had poise, the other didn't. And I think that, I mean, you could argue the home crowd is, like, um, maybe a factor in that. There were 18,000 people, and it felt legitimately full and energized. Um, but it felt like Marquette, you know, at 78, 73 with five minutes left, and you're coming out, and you're like, all right, I feel like this next sequence of offense-defense will decide the game. If Creighton gets a score stop, <coughs> it's game on. If Marquette gets a score stop, I feel like it's game over. And it, Creighton got the score stop. Yeah. So um, I will say, so I, think, I think they're poised on the stretch. That was it was big. Was I, the other thing that stood out to me, and I tweeted this, I thought Creighton's offensive execution in the middle of the game was huge because when Marquette was rolling offensively and making all those jump shots inside, you know, the, the buckets in, in the paint, handling the drop coverage that Creighton was doing, um, basically daring them to shoot tough twos, and they were shooting them and making them. Mm-hmm. But Creighton was right there in the game because I thought offensively the Jays were just really crisp. Now, they had the 10 <coughs> turnovers in the first half, but um, when they weren't turning it over, I liked, I liked the pace that they played with. I liked the timing of uh, how they set up their set plays. Um, and then early, there was a stretch early in the second half where they, they did stop turning the ball over. And they just kept, just kept, it felt like they were stacking possession on possession on possession mm-hmm. of just solid offense. Yeah, they only, and, they only had a 15% turnover rate in the second half. That's really good. Right. For this team, incredible. Oh, yeah. And, and just the, the, the way that they were going about it, you know, like the way the ball was moving, um, the decisions just felt like they were being made at a quicker. It wasn't, the ball wasn't sticking. And so, um, to me, that, that, that helped put Creighton in position to take it at the end mm-hmm. because of what it was doing offensively because, you know, Creighton got 80 points today. <laughs> they did. <Yeah. laughs> like, against uh, the fourth best, the fourth, the fourth most efficient defense in the conference. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to drop 80 on Georgetown, the worst defense in the league. But to do it against Marquette, that says something. 1.2 points per possession. Right. Today. So, so I thought Creighton, uh, by not ever getting – too overwhelmed by the moment. I mean, at one point, the Jays were down by seven. Mm-hmm. Um, just continuing to stay disciplined and attack uh, with precision and just run their stuff. Um, I thought it was – it felt like every time Craig called a play, they they got they at least got the look they wanted. They didn't always yeah. hit it, but got the look they wanted. And there was that sequence early in the second half where they hit Kalkbrenner on back-to-back plays, and I was just like – uh, one, one they, he got a seal real deep, and then the next one they ran that the Dakota, the the play that uh, they've run for years here, getting a, a look for Kalkbrenner inside, and they didn't on back 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 to back possessions. And I'm thinking, wow, that like how far has this team come? Like, yeah, there was a while early in the year, like where they call a play, and not everyone even knew what the play was. Exactly. Okay, so right. they couldn't yeah. even they uh, executing it was not <coughs> even possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you see them on the court, and they're, like, calling plays during free throws. Like, someone, Mac calls a player over, and he, or a player enters the game, and in between a free throw, they're huddling up, and he's telling them what the play is, or the next two plays. And, and then, then there they go, they execute it. So, um, this was a very, to me, it was, from an offensive standpoint, um, a, a, a growth game. Yeah. Where it showcased what they what where they've done what they where they've come. Now they weren't maybe as efficient down the stretch as they probably would have liked offensively, but they made the key buckets when they had to. Mm-hmm. So um that, that helped put them in position to to win it. And I just think this type of a game 
not like I don't know if anyone's going to remember this Marquette win like two years from now, but to just with this group, Marquette's coming in. They had been playing well, and they took some. You know, they got kind of dropped back down to middle of the pack area, um, but they came in with some, you know, desperation today. And Creighton was kind of like, there was an opportunity here, I guess I'm saying, for, and, the, and we've seen these kind of games in 15-16 and, um, you know, 17-18, 18-19 that have kind of held held those groups back from making the tournament. Um, where Creighton can come in like, hey, we're 5-1 and one in February, you know, uh, we're rolling right now. And Marquette comes in with a sense of urgency because yeah. they haven't. They needed They needed results. Yeah. And Creighton would drop a home game, like they, they, you know, they'll, they'll, they've lost to Seton Hall at home off of some similar situations like that. Lost to Marquette at home in a similar situation, just where like you're just your 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 energy and focus isn't where it needs to be, and you're facing a team that's coming in like ready to take no prisoners. Doesn't care how many fans you got. Doesn't care how loud this place gets. Doesn't care how many shots you hit. Like they're ready to take it from you. And I thought Marquette looked like they were checking all those boxes. So for Creighton to be there the whole time, not get overwhelmed by how well Marquette was playing, not get internal by some of the things that weren't going well for them at stri- during stretches, and then down the stretch of the game when it's being decided, for them to be more poised than Marquette, who needed a win, is impressive. Yeah. And I think it shows just why we've been kind of you know, pretty optimistic about this team's, this current group's outlook. Like, why we think they're, at the end of the day, they're going to put themselves in position to have a shot at making the tournament. Mm-hmm. Because they've done this before. You know what I mean? Now, the competition hasn't always been, like, similar. You know, Kennesaw State and SIUE and Nebraska aren't Marquette and Butler and DePaul. But digging deep is digging deep, in my opinion. So once you understand how that feels... I think you understand how to tap into it when it matters. And I think they did it again today. Yeah, I agree. So big picture. You know, what I was going to say, too, is just like that. That's what it takes. I mean, you mentioned like the focus, the effort, the energy, the the urgency, like those buzzwords. That's February. Did I go to buzzword? No, no, no. No, I feel like that. That's what February is in college basketball, especially in a major conference, because um, you're you're not always gonna make the shots that you you know that the high percentage looks that you get that you are maybe nailing at a whatever a high clip in mm. non conference like it's a different ball game in February like everything your, your body's more sore and the the season kind of wears on you mm. it's more about that your approach and how you who's gonna bring it more who wants it more that kind of thing that matters more than anything at this time of year. Um, because the games are just so hard and, and everyone knows each other well. You know everyone's like go-to play calls and everyone's like go-to moves, all the tendencies. Um, everything's on film. So you just have to – it takes will to, to get it done. You have to will yourself to wins. And for Creighton to kind of already have figured out what it is going to take to match that. Now, Marquette's young too, so you got to yep. give them credit because yep, they, sure. they brought it as well. Mm-hmm. These are the two youngest – least experienced teams in the league mm-hmm. at least going into the year uh, but yeah I think that's that's really notable about this this Creighton squad is that they uh they, they do rise to the to the to the moment they've 
at least so far, um, they, I mean, they've, they've told us that like they're, they felt like this month they've been playing with their backs against the wall. I think Trey Alexander said it um, going into the Butler game. Was it going into Butler? At home. Okay. Going into the Butler game at home after okay. they lost to Seton Hall, like backs are against the wall. And, you know, you could make an argument that they didn't need to feel that way because mm-hmm. it there's so much season left at that point. What, like 10 games left or something yeah. like that? So, but for them to recognize, like, hey, things are teetering a little bit. They, they blew the game against Xavier. They bounced back for a good win against UConn, but they weren't at their best against Seton Hall. And if you drop the Butler game at home, it's four losses in five games. Like, And it lost the Butler at home. That stings playing Georgetown next to So, like, they recognize how important uh, this stretch was. And, and so credit the freshmen, the newcomers, credit the seniors for setting the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, find, I find that interesting, especially because Coach McDermott has not talked about that stuff purposefully. Right. Like, he's yeah. not talking about the big picture. He's not talking about, like, uh, where Marquette is on, in the standings and, hey, they need this game, but we need this game because of our NCAA tournament hopes. Like, he's not bringing that up. He's focused solely on the process, but his guys are finding motivation from that, mm-hmm. um, and they recognize it. But they've also been able to lock in on the little things. That's why they've been able they're winning these games. Yeah, it's very like a simplified approach. It's like he's taking it's February. Yeah. This is this is when it gets real. Yeah. So you've got to bring it every day in practice, every minute of the game. You can't waste possessions. Like those those mistakes that you can get away with in December are magnified now. They cost you. So yeah. and you don't want to be like Looking back on this with regret, you want to be like, hey, you know, we took the right steps and we made the right plays. It just didn't go our way. You can live with that easier than you can um, when you have to look back on some some miscues that you feel like you had an opportunity to grow and get better at through January into February and didn't. Yeah. So that's what, you know, where this current group is right now, you don't see – those mistakes continuing to happen anymore. They're just like it's just a battle now. Um, Creighton is sixteen and four in February. The last three years, <laughs> they are sixteen yeah. and four. Guys, that that this is like the time of year when God, you pray for five hundred. Yeah, yeah. And if you're five hundred, you're a good team. Yes, because you're you might if you're five hundred in February, you might find yourself at like an eight, a seven, or eight seed. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe even better. Right. And they're sixteen and four in February. It's so, wild, like, in the, over the last three years, I mean, Crane fans, you guys got to embrace that, like, cherish that. This mm-hmm. is a this is a really incredible... no. It doesn't go like that all the time. You know what <laughs> no, I mean? It doesn't. Yeah, it, that's the best in the Big East by far. Like, Nova might be. I don't have the. I got it on my computer over there. Nova might be thirteen and eight in February of the last three years. UConn maybe has a decent record because they were six and three in February their last year in the American. It's. Creighton's doing some special things in terms of taking a team, growing, taking some lumps early, but finding a way to play its best basketball at the end of the year. So mm-hmm. we'll see if they can keep it going. But this this was a obviously a, a game where they showcased a lot of, of where they've gotten better and, and how much they've grown since day one. These uh, we I think we, I always skimmed some of our questions, so I think we got asked quite a bit about. Um you know, just some big picture things that, so we don't have to tap into it right now. We can wait, but I, I, just real quick, like the three games they got coming up left, you know, when you look at St. John's on the road, um, 
or sorry, four games. But St. John's and Providence on the road, and then UConn, Seton Hall at home. I I just think it's it's in some sense in some sense it's uh, it's it's mission accomplished to the point where you got this team to this point where now they can just go and they're they're basically playing NCAA tournament basketball the rest of the season. You understand what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's all it's on the line now. It's not like there's not like a well, you got to win a couple, and then maybe you're in the conversation again, and you know, like to kind of change the trajectory of your of your narrative, if you will, which I think plays a big part in selection. I know it's like we have a ton of metrics to parse through now, and trends, and you know, health, and winning streaks, and things like that. But like all that's part of it. But I I just think the a narrative shapes it as well, and I think right now this team's narrative is like. You're gonna go play a St. John's team that's rolling and desperate because yep. they don't have a non, they don't have a non-con resume that's gonna get them over the hump in a bubble conversation. So they have to be damn near perfect on the stretch, and they are playing really well. So you're gonna play them in Carnesecca, a place where they play really well. You're gonna play a Providence team that just like has a has the horseshoe up their ass right now with winning games that are just coming down to it and. Finding ways to get it done. It's insanity how... Colin Gillespie had to go for 33. That was the only way for them to serious. lose a close game. I mean, God <laughs> almighty. Yeah, seriously. Like, uh, so they had to do that on the road at, their, at the dunk, which is always a tough place to play in the first place, Not let alone when you're facing a really good Providence team on top of it. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the worst Providence teams that they've had have been tough at the dunk. And then you got UConn, who, you know, just you understand what type of game that's going to be. And then... Seton Hall on the last day of the year, who, if you just look at what Seton Hall's got going on right now and the way they're playing, I don't think Seton Hall's happy with the way they're performing right now. And they probably want to get a little bit more of that early season mojo back before the NCAA tournament play I starts. I feel like they've so, shown some glimpses. Like, they could be a team yeah, that, they're like, by the time creating season, they might exactly they might be peaking a little bit So you bit factor more. in those four and all the circumstances I just laid out, and then you jump right into Big East tournament, which, I mean... We've covered it. We've been there. We know what it's like. It's 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 a it's a different vibe. It's just a postseason feel. It doesn't feel like anything you'll see in the regular season. And then after that, it's selection Sunday. So like I feel like everything from this point on right now is playoff it's, it's, mode. It's, it's playoff play, yeah, mode. Yeah, it's playoff yeah. time. So I think it's a it's like all right, eighteen and eight, ten and five. The Jays got there. Like I think that's in some regards, it's it's worthy of. Um, just like a, you know, some kind of praise that they were able to figure enough things out with a mishmash group of experienced or veterans plus rookies that had never played together and some who hadn't even played at this level. Um, I don't think you putting themselves yeah. in this position right yeah. now. Yeah, that's that's fine. I was going to say I don't think any of their guys have played at this level because like yeah, O'Connell has played, but he was a ten minute a game guy his whole career right. until now. Right. And Cockbrenner was like number seven in the rotation last year, and mm-hmm. Hawkins was at D two, and Fizel was at the lower level of D one. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, this is crazy, honestly. Yeah, when you think when you step back and look at the Creighton's eighteen and eight, it's an incredible job by the team, by the coaching staff. No, and they, honestly, they they're, 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 it, yeah, but, that's right. But, but they're three games but, clear. But like of... what you said, what you said, they they do, they are deserving. Um, of some praise 
for what they've done to this point. Yeah. Because they've definitely exceeded expectations. I think they probably have even exceeded internal expectations. Um, but certainly outside. We know yeah. that. Well, especially if you said no Sharif for most of it. Right. No Kaluma for basically February. And then um, now, you have, now you're dealing with Alex and Hawkins isn't. Hundred percent, and Cockburner's had, you know, a nick or two here, there, and like, you know, you same just, with Denmark. Yeah, exactly. You just look down, up and down, and you're like, this is this, this is a group of like just they're fighters, yeah. and they got themselves in position to make something happen. And I think that's what you honestly you'll take that if you're in a major conference and you're in February, and it's past Valentine's Day, and you got a shot, like you've done some good work, right? Not too optimistic, not too pessimistic. Like, yeah. you've done some good work, right? Especially considering what Creighton lost. Yeah. How many teams are losing five starters and find themselves in this spot right here? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe nobody. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the questions, do you have anything else you want to throw at the wall real quick? I, that might have been the best regular season Creighton game since wow. the Jays beat Villanova. In this building in 2018. Gosh, John. The game. There's that, some. You just yeah, skipped the, over the whole 2020 season with that. The the best. I'm I'm sticking with that over the 2020. Marcus Zagorowski game in Providence with Tyshawn. They were down like. That, that was, like it was a minute. fun comeback, but it wasn't a great game. It wasn't like that's funny. back and forth like this, where both teams were throwing punches the whole way. Dude, you got like 36 in the second 10 minutes. Yeah, he went. Second. He went off. That was, a, it was that was a good game. Okay, I still like this one better. I mean, Marcus wow. Howard dropping 52 was pretty cool with the Sam Hauser <sighs> shot. Sorry to bring that one up, but um, I brought it up earlier. Oh yeah, year, you did. That's right. right. They uh, called it the incident. <laughs> the incident. <laughs> um, um, but Creighton fans don't like that one, so no, they don't. They'll never forget that one, but they don't. Actually, like when it. they went to the when the, when when the ball uh, when they went to review the clock, I was like, just put point eight on there. Let's do it again. Right. Let's just don't even review it. Just Force put point them. eight and let's see. Let's Force them to inbound it. Yeah. Let's just see what happens. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, that's that's interesting. So you would, rank. you know, you know what's throwing me off though is I was I missed the first half. I watched it on this TV right here because I was watching. The first half was better than the second. So okay, see that's probably yeah. what, that's probably why I because I was watching go double overtime with the women. So like that one was crazy because you had like a missed layup uncontested at the buzzer in regulation, then a forty footer at the buzzer in overtime that got waved off after five minutes of looking at it, and then just. Insanity, and then I come out for the second half, and it's like God, another one of these. Like, yeah, right. So, like, just to add it up here, like, so just to, just because I'm not going to say you're wrong, I'm just going to say my perception is off kilter right now. Um, there were there were a total of seventeen. Are you looking up? 41, 41 lead changes between the two games and thirty two ties. Oh, between Craig that's what and I saw Craig in two. Women. That's what yeah. I saw in two hours. Yeah. I saw forty one lead changes and thirty two ties. So I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying my perception is like uh, someone gave me like an adrenaline shot of drama, and I can't calibrate how great of a game would you, this was today. Would you take Gonzaga home? Ooh, that in was so twenty eighteen. That was maybe more fun. Does that but, overshoot your? What did you say was the last one? Yeah, I said before that. I said well, that was. The oh, you said the. You said, said the Nova. Nova, yeah, yeah. Because the reason why I think about Nova is because, 
And maybe it, it has something to do with Creighton sort of like just – Similar circumstances to this one from yeah, a health standpoint. You know, laying it all out yeah. there because like yeah. Harrell got hurt before the game – Balak had to play the four, well, it and it felt like was down eight with four twenty something, something like left that. Yeah, that one. So, and so and Mark, or, uh, yeah, Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas, like they left it all out there. You yeah. know, like they played like that was so, their careers on the right, line there. Yeah yeah, 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 they played so hard, and mm-hmm. that like, and there this, was a team meeting that preceded that. That was like a little bit of like a reflective. You know, it's, yeah, it's rubber meets the road moment for us because they had just lost to Butler by bad yes. three days earlier. But mm-hmm. but. That sort of... I think Toby Hegger's mom had just been diagnosed with cancer, too, right then, too. So he, really? like, he was Everybody was kind of going through some stuff, you know? Yeah. That was that was a tough thing to deal with for them. Ronnie being scratched right, right like, before the game. Nova was healthy. Nova played well. And Creighton beat him. Yeah. And so, like, they had... Nova but, had Cre- bridges in that game. <laughs> they had so many NBA players in that game. Creighton had to do everything in its power to, like, mm-hmm. just be there at the end. And that's what it felt like with this one. Like, they, the guys who played, I mean, we're talking about... The starters, 39, 35, 37, 37, 40 minutes. They, they didn't come off the floor mm. hardly at all until, like, O'Connell left, you know, with the injury. Yeah. But they gave it all. They were playing so hard. And um, and to see, you know, see a team, like, put forth that much, much effort. Again, Marquette did not play poorly. They didn't finish well, but they played overall a pretty good game. So um, to see two teams just doing it out and battling like that, that's, I love that. I love that about college basketball, putting it all on the line. It's, you know, it's February. It's mid-February. It's not even March yet. Yeah, to, no. But to see a game like that. Shit, it's late February. That's true. It's yeah. February 20th. Um, but, just, yeah, so to see that, that that's why, it, for me, it's it's one of the best games I've seen in person okay. here in this building. If it It's not the best, but. I, did, I, you know, I didn't best. feel that way walking, you know, uh, through the tunnel after it was over, but. Um, I think you're making some really good points. I'm excited to watch it again. Is what I'm saying. Right? Yeah, I'm definitely. Oh, I'm like, definitely that because I need to. I don't even know. I don't even know if I understand what happened. <laughs> I think I just know who made plays to to win or lose the game. That's all I have of in my memory bank. That's a good point. Okay. Questions? Want to go into questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's. Um. First one from Joseph Favre of UNMC. Uh, says, best of luck in the future, John, going to miss the coverage. How important do you think these grind-out wins are for the younger guys on the team? Gosh, I mean, unquantifiable, yeah. right? Especially in Big East play. It's just it's just a different – it's different when you can grind out a win in conference because you're going to see a lot of these dudes – for the next few years. years. So knowing so knowing in the back of your mind that you know how to beat these people, like these human beings, like you know how they tick, you know what they what their strengths and weaknesses are, like that's dude, Providence like I think about Providence, like that team, it's a really good team. Um but so old. Like how 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 many experiences are those guys tapping into when Ooh, they close yeah. out all these games? Like they're winning all these close games that you know should be toss-ups. And yet, Providence is something like nine and one or ten and one in games decided by five points or less or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. that's just unheard of. But mm-hmm. it's not a fluke because these—they're all like twenty-three, twenty-four. Played tons of college basketball. Every game like this matters, and they've logged experience. They know what it feels like to do well, to not do well. And so, I think of—I think of that with, yeah. when I think of these young guys. Like they're just going to be, um, going to be 
obviously they're going to be better for it. So. so I think the other part of it is, too, like, if you recruit guys who have won at – like, if you br- if the talent you bring in isn't just, like, uh, skilled. It's also – it also knows how to win. Like, it's won at the high school levels. Yeah. I think there's something about bringing in people who have done that, too. And then you just, you know, continue to, like – it just it all kind of develops into itself. Like if you learn how to win at a high level in high school, you can figure out how to win at a high level at some point in college too. So I think that's maybe what we're seeing a little bit of as well. Like uh, the value that's kind of be part of their DNA going, you know, into their sophomore and junior years. Yeah. Um, like they'll just you'll and the and the thing that'll do that it does from an observing standpoint is like you just know you trust that they're gonna that something's gonna happen. And I think that's what makes it kind of special to watch is because, like, you don't get the sense that someone's going to get rattled. So you're just like, yeah. what's going to happen here? You know, like, down three, 90 seconds left. Who's who's going to make the play? How's it going to happen? How's it going to go? I think that's what was fun and, and about that, watching last, the last two teams from two years, the last two years. Like, once we kind of realized that they had realized it and figured it out, it was like, you know, oh, that's they're real special. Like the Seton Hall game on the road, the Marquette game on the road, the Providence game at home, um, Villanova on the road when they had the big lead and had to that's, bring it all back. Like, a, that stuff is like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're never out of this. That, like, you you, you got you to kill them to finish them. Oh man, the Seton Hall game on the road um, last year is a great example because, like, I remember we were talking to Balak after that game, and he was it was like the under eight timeout, and they're down thirteen or something. Yes, yeah, and and statistically, Creighton had something like. Five percent chance of winning the game, like when you're down thirteen against that Seton Hall team on the road, and he was like, "Oh, I think we're good." Yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, I was on the bench, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, we're good. We got to make a run now. Like, we got to do like, it. Yeah, we got to. Yeah, but we're okay." Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, just think about that's now that's a veteran talking. So because you know he knows because he's seen what's possible within that and time frame w- and what they're capable of yeah. and what what it yeah. takes to do it, and then they did it. So yeah, yeah. and and it, you know the other thing is most freshmen don't get this. <laughs> Right. So it's, it's honestly, I don't even know what they're going to be like when they're veteran players because, yeah. you know, Creighton, these, well, Kaluma didn't play tonight, but Alexander and, um, and Nemar, like they're playing. Rob Anderson has a stat like Creighton's the only team in the country with three true freshmen playing, averaging 20 23 points. minutes a game. Like, no one usually gets this type of experience no. this early and no. has the success that Creighton had. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows, man? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think we put a number on that. Or uh, I, Joseph's, a, you know, he wants some data. So I don't know if we gave him any data, but um, yeah, important. It's important. <laughs> um, next one is uh, thanks for everything, John! Exclamation point. There's wow. some emphasis on oh. thanks for everything. Should I say it like? No, just that's fine. I you know sometimes you get exclamation points. And you're like, do I have to yell or do I just emphasize? Like, thanks for everything, John. All the best in the future. That's another exclamation point, by the way. Two back to back. I like it. What are your, and this is for both of us, win loss predictions for the remainder of the Blue Jays regular season and the Big East tourney if you're feeling adventurous? So at St. John's at Providence, UConn Seton Hall at home. And that's two roadies, two home. Yeah. And then conference tournament. What's our win loss? Pre- so including the conference tournament, our win loss prediction, right? Yeah. So how many? We, do, I, I, we have to figure out how many games we think they're going to win. I would say see. something like three and three, and then 
that would lead him to the NCAA tournament and you know I don't know one and one there maybe like yeah. so four and four which you know sounds yeah, three like three and three is probably what it needs to be right like minimum to get there yeah no I think Craig could go Two. one I think Craig can go one and three leading into the Big East tournament and still oh, really? make the NCAA interesting yeah. I, I think that I think. I mean, this is one man's opinion. I'm not on committee, but I'm just saying that I feel like the Jays, I almost wrote like they solidified an NCAA tournament bid today. I don't think they have. Mm-hmm. I saw I pulled back on that, but I think they're one one away from doing that. Okay. I mean, I think they're going to split the road trip, and I, I, I could get more specific because I think they're actually going to lose to St. John's and beat Providence just because I think the matchup, one, the way St. John's is playing, and then two, I think I don't hate the way Creighton matches up with Providence. The only thing I'm not sure about is how much Providence's experience, um, and just like there's just a different deal when you're dealing with like grown man type of physicality. Like they, Providence knows how to ratchet it up because they're just they just done it before. You you talked about it, you laid it out all before. So I'm like, I don't know how Creighton's going to handle that if Providence brings it to them. Um, and then, you know, they kind of always – it's always a tough place to play for them winning at the dunk. So I hate making the prediction that they're going to split the road trip and that the win is coming in Providence. But <laughs> right. I kind of have a weird feeling about that matchup because I just think, you know, the way Kalkbrenner is playing, it's tough. I think it's going to be tough for Providence to score at the rim. Um, and I love the way Ryan Hawkins is playing right now. I think if you ask me who the who's playing the best out of those two teams, I would say Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're basically, and then I basically think it comes down to like, who do I trust more as, like, with the ball in their hands, Jared Bynum or Ryan Nemhard? And I could probably flip a coin fifty times, and I, you know, I wouldn't feel great about either result. I think it could go either way. Yeah. So I don't know. I kind of like the matchup a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah. So either way, but the, I think they're splitting the road trip. Okay. And I think they're also going to split at home. Like I think I just I don't know. It's tough to beat them in this place. It is. But I think it's a lot. I think going 3 and 1 is a lot to is a lot to expect on the heels of 6 and 1. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I think about the if if I'm calling 3 and 1, what I'm adding up here at the end of it all yeah. is a lot. Yeah. Like I it would it would far exceed what I even thought they were capable of in my most wildly optimistic outlook. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they're going to split road trip and home. And go two and two, and then I think yeah I'll st- I mean I think they're gonna probably win their first round. I think they'll win their quarterfinal game because they'll probably play a team that you know will will eventually f- get a little bit gas in the second half and not have a lot in the tank and then. Uh, I mean, Craig yeah, will be that team the next day. Craig will be that team the next day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and if they are, they damn sure will be on the championship game. But yeah, so I think they're I think I think they'll get there. But I think it's I think it's three and three the rest of the way, into the into the big dance. Is that where you're at too? What'd you say? Four and four? You said? Well, I, I said I said like win a game in the dance and lose. Like oh, lose are we calling round. that too? I, I dude, just, I don't even know. He just asked me. I, I, I yeah, know, so I said, he stopped at Big East tournament though. So my bad. Was, yeah. I mean, I don't you went, know. you said a big, you said they win in this tournament game, bro. Yeah, I think. Look at John giving look, you guys awesome like a little I, present. I, I just said this the other day or today. If Creighton get in the NCAA tournament, 
I think it'd be really. Do you dare even like wonder if this team could go back to back Sweet Sixteens? Well, that's not what I'm saying. I just think it would be. It's going to be really cool if they get in to see a Creighton team in the tournament without any pressure. Because like, finally the Sweet Sixteen like that was the cloud goal. is lifted. Mm. Um, Creighton this year had no expectations. Mm. You know, like no one thought they people still with house money for yeah, most look at their net ranking. You know that people point to that. You know so they're not that good. <laughs> yeah. So if they're able to sneak in, they could catch somebody. Like this team's always been, this program's always done well as an underdog. Mm-hmm. It's been tough when they've had to wear white on, uh, you know, in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've had to do that a lot. They put themselves in good positions, yes, but they've struggled with the target on their back, and now they can be the hunted. So I'm like, it's been. When's the last time they went into the tournament without like just like free? Ninety nine. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, it, that could be fun. Yeah. If they get there. Yeah. Looks like they're going to, but, you know, they got to actually do it. Yeah, they're still, yeah. Interesting. Especially because, like. I they, hadn't they, even, I don't think I've thought that far and, ahead. And think yeah. about the team makeup. You got a bunch of freshmen who are, like, think they, they want to win right now, obviously, but they're also, like, mm. we're building something. You got Hawkins, who's just around, along for the ride and enjoying every moment. Like, McDermott's talking about, he's competitive. But also playing with some. No doubt, no doubt. But he's, like. He's like, at the end of the day, he's in it for the experience and the, yeah, you know, self self improvement, um, helping helping the young guys. Like, it's more than about wins and losses for him. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It just feels like it's a, it's an opportunity if they can get in or they, they play pretty loose, which. I haven't seen from a Creighton team in the NCAA tournament, you know, like for sure. They they have they've always carried this weight. Yes, they when, have. When they've walked into the especially when they've gone in on kind of like a little bit of a roll, and there's like there's not only expectations for them to just break through eventually and just stop running into a second round wall, but also like you know they go in with pretty good squads, and it's like why is there a second round? Yes. Right. You know, manhole you keep stepping in, right. you know. Uh, next question uh, from John Schulte. What are, his, what are your plans for the next home game? Will you watch in the stands? So you know. Uh, I don't think so. Because it's a, it's a, next home game is UConn on a weeknight. Yes. Yeah, so I'll put my son to bed and maybe turn it on. <clears throat> but I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can commit you, to being. You're not, not going to show up in the arena and watch. You're not, you're not looking forward to Dan Hurley antics. No. Okay. Um, Jeremy Howard wants to know, have oh, – hold on. We have to talk about the Jays with Art versus Jays without Art. Seems to be better offensively without him, small sample size. Hard to say because Art's future is so bright. You know, I've been seeing this question a lot from people and this topic, and I don't know if I really have thought about it a whole lot yet. I don't think I – Honestly, I'm not sure I care to because I think Art's coming back pretty soon. And I don't know if we need to, like, if we need to go there. I mean, when he Dude, comes I mean, back, I, the thing yeah. is when he comes back, he's playing. So yeah. it's not like. Right. It, here's the thing. They, what, they, they what's, do what's seem. The, what's, the, what's, the, what's the, what are the key, like, things to you that look different in a better way without well, him? I, I think that. Because I'm not sure there is anything. When Art is at his best. He's been more of an ISO guy, like yeah, um, off the bounce type of off the bounce or in the post up situation, and right. like 
what Creighton's done so well, uh, so well lately is share it and move it mm-hmm. and keep everything moving. So he'll have to – I mean, he's got the benefit of sitting and watching it and seeing how it looks and how they want it to look, so that'll help. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's just kind of like folded his game up into what the Jays are doing now. Yeah. And I think he kind of felt, too, that he needed to be – and I like, I need to deliver for my team right now because – we just went four straight possessions with misses. So give me the ball. Let me go one-on-one with somebody. and um, Or they would call a play for him to do that, like post up. So I don't know. I don't know if it's – I almost feel like as I'm kind of talking through this and thinking it, thinking it, talking through it out loud and thinking through it, I wonder if is, – is it fair to even make a direct correlation to the fact that Kalum has been out given that we knew that Creighton's offense was going to take a jump eventually. Like, eventually things were going to click right. for this team. And maybe that just so happened to coincide with Kaluma's injury. And it has nothing to do with Kaluma, actually. Yeah. Because um, because it, it, it's a team-wide sort of, like, we need to get this these concepts down. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like uh, certainly seen flashes from his game offensively. They're a better team with him. On on the whole, mm-hmm. so yeah, maybe there will be a little bit of him having to sort of work his way back into the flow. But yeah, I think I think you're making good points about you know Creighton's offense as a whole, the way it just the way it flows and moves and operates without him. But again, like you said. Very pointedly, he's going to play when he returns. And he had a good game. Against, I mean, he had the best game of his career against St. John's. He was pretty good against UConn. Um, just look at the matchups they have left. You need him. Yeah. Like, so, I don't even know if Creighton wants to, like... First of all, again, I haven't dove into this, so I'm not really sure where it's where the, where that narrative is building from. Well, like, I think it's just the fact that Creighton's won games and started to score. Yeah, but they played Georgetown twice, Butler. I mean, like, there's also that. Like, you know what I mean? Let's not, let's not forget that part. Um, I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. They, they've shown some improvement offensively. Like, if they, if, they, if, they had played, if they had played Providence, St. John's, and UConn in the sequence they played Georgetown, Georgetown, Butler without Kaluma, that's different. It's true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, not, that's not the same. You're not looking at the same orange there. Right. So, um yeah, no, I, I don't even. I, yeah, I've heard it. I've, I've I've gotten that question a few times lately. Um, not really sure there's much to it. And honestly, I don't think we're gonna f- find out other than if unless he has a setback or something, right? Yeah. Which is again, you're not finding out. You're only finding out the hard way there. So, um, but I appreciate the question. It's it's interesting because I do like the way people um, think outside the box a little bit. You know. Is Creighton better without their best recruit of all time? Um, just you know, so catches, better offensively catches you I, off catches you off guard. For be, better. I don't believe offensively was specified I until it was. it was just Jays with Art, Jays without Art. Seems to be better offensively without him. Like it, that's almost like a secondary notation oh, there. Okay, I heard it too, but it was mostly on offense. So at least I heard that yeah. similar sort of take. Okay, uh, Thomas Feldman says John is really really good at what he does. Yes, he is, and I know he'll be successful in his next venture. Cheers with an exclamation point. Cheers to you. Um, Cat Everlasting says, hold John captive. Don't let him leave us. Thank you. All in one sentence. So, um, Uh-oh. 
This is awkward now. I well, here's the thing. I want to go home, so I'm not gonna hold you captive, but I'm gonna tell Cat Everlasting that I will think of creative ways to get John back into the mix in the future. Thank you. That's the best I can offer that response. Um, old gym legend Booker Woodfoxes. Um, this is for you. Who were some of your uh, the best interviews among the players in your tenure? And will you follow this team going forward now as a fan? Hmm. Well, I'll follow them for sure. I like okay. good basketball. They, they in this program has proven to be playing. You know, good basketball on a consistent basis. So, and so again, saying, so you're saying you're on board in a bandwagon capacity, basically. Sure. Just, yeah. yeah as and, soon as they start huskering the shit up, you're not going <laughs> to. That's you're true. You're going to go back to the Purdue only. You told me that you get teams like Georgetown and Villanova coming to my backyard. Those brands, I'm going to come and watch. Like I want to see that. You've That's seen Georgetown play lately. You're a, brand, you're a brand guy? I'm just saying, it's pretty awesome that Georgetown... Substance it's pretty awesome that uh, yeah. Georgetown... I like seeing this. Patrick Ewing. I don't hope they don't fire him. I really don't. I, it's not just because I like seeing him. I just think, I think you know... He's all right. I, just hang on, Georgetown. Hang on a minute. I, I'm a fan of... Good, I mean, I, I snuck in. Not snuck in. I got tickets. Um, to watch Creighton play back in the Mo Valley days when I was covering Nebraska, not before I was on this beat. Yeah. I was actually in the stands for Doug McDermott's senior day game against Providence. Okay. So Did you get one to be in the stands for? Right. So I, I like good basketball, so okay. I'm hoping uh, yeah, you're a basketball maybe I can now, maybe hard, now so. I can uh, work the phones a little bit and try to get Purdue in here to play uh, Creighton. You have those kind of connections? No. Oh. But. <laughs> <laughs> P. Lusk? Yeah, I mean you've got ties. I didn't. I didn't say. Yeah, I didn't yeah. say ties. The connections right. to get the. I'll, just, I'll talk so to you, people. He's handing the producer. I don't think so, but yeah, I don't you think know so either. But that'd be a fun game. Yeah, you can give it a shot. Maybe it'll be a good story to write for the next person. Ed versus Kalkbrenner. Oh, so you want that shit now? Oh, oh, well, I mean, is Ed going pro? Don't you think so? I don't know. Do you want this? Creighton, like do you want this? I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, you know how this ends? Is like Creighton's going to play Purdue in the NCAA tournament? And that would be that would have been that would have, that would, that if that happens, that's a sign that I yeah, made the right let call. You jumped that, out as soon as you could. I would have had to quit on the spot because I don't guys. Like, Purdue, I need a stringer. Sorry, fellas. Yeah, Purdue like, basketball. There's some origins it, it's, there. It, I've done a really good job of suppressing my like fandom tendencies in everything. Since becoming a journalist, okay, except for Purdue basketball, yes, that I still attest. hits me. I was, I was like, I can attest to your reactions to some of their tournament games that you do not, I, it's do not still, suppress that. It's still like I grew up with it, and you know, you had to. I grew up in Hoosier country, where you had to walk with pride through the hallways of your high school on on after wins and losses, because you would hear about the losses, and then you know, I had to let people know about the wins. So. Mm. It's it's too entrenched into my soul. Yeah. Purdue basketball, so I, I did not want to see them play crazy ever. Okay, so that's that'd have been hard. That's the second part of it. The first part is oh, uh, best who interviews. Who were some of your best? Who were some of the best interviews among players? In your I don't know. Uh, Creighton has a lot of good play, like a, just a lot of. That's one of the best things about this yeah, program. Yeah, I don't I'm purposely not say any names, so I, don't, I just want to see where you're coming from. Um, one of the cool things about this program is just the type of people that Creighton recruits that are a part of the program. I mean, everyone is so genuine, um, so sort of like, I don't know, understanding, good nature, just they, they're welcoming. Um, 
I think they recognize. Yes, comfortable in their own skin. I think is a big thing too. That's that's true. Because you can't make. I don't like. I think sometimes like people would be a little bit apprehensive when you stick a recorder in their face and start asking them things. But like it seems like, you know, I think it's partly your style. I think there's a trust there that they know that I'm not like out to get them necessarily. Like I I really do want to understand where they're coming from and hope to accurately portray sort of their feelings, their experiences to the fan base. that was always my goal, but yeah, there's just so many. So, but some of my favorites, Damian Jefferson comes to mind. Mm. Um, Marcus Zagorowski, we always had great conversations. Mitch Ballock had had some awesome conversations with him. Um, Justin Patton was a hilarious quote. Like mm-hmm. he never quite knew what he was going to say, and I liked going to him after games because he was good. Marcus Foster was Marcus tremendous. Foster was really good. Yeah. Um, Always had some good conversations with him. So Jordan Scurry, Tyler Clement for the you know walk on perspective. Oh, oh yeah, and and just hearing them talk about stuff that didn't relate to the game was good. Their yeah. perspectives on life in general was I learned a lot from Scurry. I actually meant to tweet him. I've I've got I got so many tweets and that was incredible and heartwarming uh, to see the support from people after I announced my departure. So I haven't been able to like go through and reply, but I did see Scurry tweet, and that, it reminded me like Scurry, like that dude taught me a lot about just playing a role outside of the spotlight mm-hmm. and going to work every day and just doing a damn good job and focusing on that piece of it. Um, so I feel like I, I did try to take things away from guys as as best I could, um, but. Yeah, I, 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 the the thing that sticks out about covering this program over the years is just how real players were within our interactions and and coaches too. But just you know, they're just good dudes. Yeah, and so it's hard to really single guys out. But I gave you some names there just to, just so you know. I mean, yeah, it shouldn't a- be a surprise, by the way. Just if you're a fan of the program, you've you've seen how these guys carry themselves. Like, there's a lot of awesome players who come through here mm-hmm. uh wilbur wants to know where does Udai Tashiro's game-winning goal against tulsa rank on creighton's on wild creighton moments in your time covering the jays that was pretty that, that was pretty, pretty high i don't think i've ever seen it before or since so it's up there for me basically <laughs> A back pass was caught by a goalie yeah. by the goalkeeper, yeah. which set up a f- indirect free, free kick from, from like, like four six, yards yeah, away. I was going to say six, but yeah, yeah, inside the six yard box. Yeah, yeah. And the dude hit over it. a wall. Yeah, hit it over a wall, and then yeah. um, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, how I mean, many moments do you think top it? Like what? What? I mean, probably Sam Hauser shot. That was crazy. I think people just like. Sent you hate mail. I know. A flood but of hate mail. The, like, so that was so incredible that you never it was expected crazy. that. It was insane. And it was the gateway to Marcus Howard getting to the 50 piece, yeah. which was fun to watch, too. Like, so yeah. I don't know. That's tough. I can't really. That was, I mean, it's hard to make a more wild moment than those two. I don't even know. Because was, was, was Ty's, like, Clutch baskets against Providence and the Marcus game winner. Was that wild? I mean, it was wild, but is it wild on that level? That was an impressive comeback. That was good. 
I didn't, we, that didn't, might be, we didn't see any like cra- I didn't see any Creighton game winners at the buzzer. I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. Didn't see any buzzer beaters. Yeah, I'm trying to think when you first started covering the team and who you've covered and everything. Um, 16, some crazy, crazy 16, baseball 16, comebacks 17, in the Big East 16, tournament. 17, and 17, 18, there were some insane women's basketball finishes. Yeah, they, they played a, with fire a lot. That that team that won the Big East championship yeah. um, had a lot of – Like Lauren cr- Brooks was, was always the, hitting us. What was that game against Marquette where they came back out of nowhere? I mean, it was it was late at home. Cindy Lamberty, yeah. yeah. That was I, a crazy game. I think she scored like eight in a row or something like that to win it. Okay, yeah. There's some, there's some samplings there. Yeah, you guys is up there though. That was I. I have I don't even know how to explain that. Um, Denny Sullivan wants to know who has been your favorite Jays player to cover during your time on the beat. I think you kind of already did that one. No, it's a player's favorite. Favorite. Oh, so this is a different phrasing then. Yeah, yeah. player. Player to cover. Favorite Jays player to cover during your time on the beat? <sighs> it might be Foster. Marcus, yeah. Because of just how... Um, the story is really interesting. Yeah, incredible dude. But also, the, the way he played the game mm-hmm. offensively was... So much, it was just so much fun to watch. He just, especially when he was on a heater, yeah. he would just take games over. Uh, I think he might have changed Mac a little bit too. You think so? I just think, I think, uh, in terms of like letting guys just yeah, shoot just through just, it. Well, like, I'm not, I don't say I'll say shoot through it, but like just <laughs> hang on. Uh, there's still some, there's still some, you know. There's still a leash there. But I'm just saying, like, when you've got a guy with that much swagger and they work hard and they, like, at their craft and they, like, to just let the offense be more natural instead of, you know, so much, like. What did you think of the Xavier game in, in the big t- each tournament? Like, yeah. Just, just, play. Like, just play. Just do, just play. Just do what you do. Just play. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I, think, I think Marcus Foster did a lot towards unlocking the amount of freedom this offense currently has. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because before, when Creighton turned into more of a, uh, you know, a space and pace type of team, they had a, uh, an uh, once-in-a-generation player spearheading it. And I think once Doug and those guys left, um, you could see with that 14-15 team that it became more structured again. You know what I mean? I think they... I think just because of the way the roster was constructed. And then you're also wondering, like, what's the blueprint for success going forward? Is it still that? Is it still the, the you know, because the, the, the Doug only had one year in the Big East and Ethan and Grant and Jahens, like, so from an evaluation standpoint, you're wondering, can they play that way in this league? You know, when you don't have a three-time All-American slash damn your unanimous player of the year um, on your side, like, so I think Marcus Foster, what Marcus Foster did, and Maurice Watson too, um, you know, it just kind of it, it opened up a little bit of what Creighton's offense currently looks like right now with the amount, just in terms of the amount of freedom they that players have to 
make mistakes. Mm. Not just like that Matt wants them to make mistakes or that the players want to make mistakes or that they just don't care, but it's the the freedom to do it and play through it and not have to like look back at the bench and wonder if you're about to get reamed or pulled, um, things like that. I just think Marcus Foster is a is a, is, a, is like a you know, someone who you can look at and be like that I think that changed the trajectory of Creighton's system. Kyrie Thomas is another guy I probably should have given a shout out to too because I loved watching him play. That that Kyrie Thomas had this look. He'd like drop his chin down and he he'd like raise his eyes up. Mm. Like it was like the death stare that he had where he would he so he's like he'd think he's looking down, then all of a sudden his eyes would like peer up at a defender. Or at a at a ball handler and you were like Oh man, he's about to—he's <laughs> about to take this guy, you know, take his cookies, uh, yeah. shut him down. I mean, he just had this this way about this him. Experience like, is not going to be fun for both of these people right now. Right, right. I'm just like <laughs> this guy. The first, the first uh, pickup. I, I went the first Creighton thing I did. I went to a pickup game in the Championship Center in 2017, mm-hmm. and Kyrie Thomas was picking guys up uh, or guarding them full court. You know, in the pickup game, an open gym, an open gym, yeah. and I was like, "What's happening? Like, why is that man? Like, that they're, they're, they're playing, they're playing future on on the loud screen or yeah. on the, the PA. Yeah, like this is supposed to be fun, isn't it? Like, everyone's having a good time, and, mm. and Kyrie's like, no, 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 I'm here to I'm here to play. Yeah. And so the first story I wrote as a as a Creighton beat writer actually was about Kyrie and the jump that he was going to take his sophomore year. Very prophetic. It was obvious though when you watched him because yeah, give he was so credit. Yeah. Um, there's only two dudes who have done what he's done, right? Isn't Iverson and who else? How many guys have gone back to back DPOI in this league? But Ewing did it, right? Ewing, Iverson. I don't think the list is. Did Hart long. do it though? Hart, Josh no, Hart. I don't think so. Okay, I think he only one of the year he shared it with Kyrie. Right. Yeah, I mean Hot. Kyrie. The Kyrie's first year winning, he shared it with Michael Bridges and Josh Hart. <laughs> I know. I mean, just, <laughs> that's crazy. Let's so consider that as well. Um, the next part of his question, uh, Danny's question, is as you move on to a no, new career that no longer requires objectivity towards the Jays, will you call yourself a quote-unquote Jays fan starting Tuesday? Well, I don't know. So we've already kind of – Yeah, I'm a Purdue fan, so yeah. we'll see. The Jays, they got they – got, Go Boilermakers, number one, first yeah, and foremost. We'll, we'll see. We'll see yeah. if they can – I like – I, I bet you if like, the Jays continue to play well, you'll be like – Well, and I like – again, I like a lot of the people the who are involved with this program. That's so I, I want to see them do – I want to see them do well because they're good, they're good guys and mm-hmm. they work hard. So um, I'm a fan of the people, maybe not as much of the team sort of – Concept, I guess, but I like a lot of the people, and I hope they. Yeah, if there's not like as long as, long as that connection work. remains, you'll have a yeah, exactly. spot in your heart for it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Jacob Badilla adds on to Danny's question here. More importantly, what is Simon going to call himself? Is it going to be nothing but Purdue games on the TV as he grows up, or is he going to see plenty of James Jays games on his TV? What would a Jays Boilermakers mashup be called? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'll let Simon do whatever he wants. Now, uh, his uncle, Cradu? Simon's uncle has is a Creighton season ticket holder, so I can foresee him being at him games. being at games okay. with him. Um, I, I, won't, I won't stop it. Yeah, shout out, shout out, Galen. His, his, yeah, his favorite uh, Simon's favorite color right now is blue. It's one of the first words that he was able to say. Blue. It's a good start. So it seems like a yeah. It seems it's half the mascot. That's right. Blue. He's got, I'm sure when he sees. A blue jay, he probably likes the bird because it's of so. the color. Yeah, just like yeah. 
So maybe, we'll maybe, see. My maybe son, you have a maybe you I'm have a let my son, on your hands already. I'll, I'll, I'll let him. I'll let him do what he wants. Okay, that's fair. I will buy him a lot of Purdue gear, though. <laughs> I will force feed him into the Boilermaker <laughs> Brotherhood. Um, what do the Jays need to do to down the stretch to safely be in the tournament, win every game, right? Safely. Three and I think I think three more or two more and they'll they would be in for sure. Two more and they're safe, including the Big East tournament. Yeah. And they're safely in. Yeah. Wow, you're not that you're not you don't think it's that far away then. No, I, th- I like I said I think they're in if they win one more, oh. but that's still that's just my opinion and it kind of feels a little bit. But you of a you stretch, don't want to play with that much fire with your, what it'll do to your net rankings with them. <laughs> yeah, I think two more wins is they're a lot. Like yeah, you don't have to worry about it. Got you. How close is or is there any word on how close Kaluma is to returning? I don't know. What did what? Max say at the end of the press it. conference? I'm trying to think. Did uh, some stuff, right? He did some stuff. Some stuff practice. is what we always get before they start to get cleared for physical activity. Yeah. It, it, like, maybe there might have been a little bit of a, some swelling, so they're like just kind of monitoring the swelling. They're, yeah. they, they, they stress it, and then they pull back. And then, they, but they, I think they'd, they'd, like, react, yeah. they'd like to get him going like a couple days in a row. For sure. And seeing how it reacts. Um, he was out there warming up. He definitely has to go through a practice. You, honestly, usually, like once, if if someone can make it through one good practice, and the next day they feel good, they'll play. Yeah. So he was out there doing like warm up, like a, the the red shirts kind of run through a pregame warm up routine. And he was out there doing that. So he's moving. He's he got a little brace on the knee, and, and he was, you know, he he looked okay doing some of that stuff, ball ball handling, shooting stuff. But uh, I guess he's still not yet ready. Then they're not going to force it. Yeah. I mean, with someone with his potential, you, you'd think you don't need to, especially in the position you're currently in as a team. So there's not really any reason to. Um, especially if fans think they're better without him. Now all of a sudden, <laughs> shit, what do you guys want him? Half of you are like, where's he at? The other half are like, are they better? Um, Matthew Koth or Koth, I hope I'm, I don't know, I should probably say Koth because it's like Taron Cloth. I gave both options there. Sorry if I mispronounced the name. Uh, sorry to see you go, exclamation point. Love your coverage and all you do for sports media in the area. Best of luck in the future. That was nice. Very nice. Thank you very much. I like that you're not getting any like mean people on this thing. This is good so far. <laughs> I know. I know. I wasn't sure how advantageous people were going to get in here. Um, can you talk about the- <laughs> Where is this coming from? Can you talk about the team's offense with and without Kaluma, looking like a faster, more traditional Jays team with Trey Alexander starting? Will he be back for St. John's? I'm, this, I'm gonna have to go back and watch. Like, what sample should we take from the Kaluma ones? Where it's like, I can't just be like, you can't just take a day where Creighton struggled offensively in a massive, wide scale manner and then compare it to a day where they were on point. Like, you can't just take like the Georgetown road game and then compare it to like Seton Hall. That's not fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because nobody was locked in. It didn't matter if Kaluma was on the yeah, court Yeah, exactly. That's and my point. It's like you, if, if Creighton had played like, you know, UConn, Seton Hall, Providence out of the gate without Kaluma, it would – I think people – these questions would be coming from a a different point of view. So, I'm, yeah, that's, that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, let's see. That one was a mean one, but it's not for you. Uh, did Jet Canfield ever make it to Drury? I think he got hurt and then retired. Like, I don't think he's playing basketball anymore. That's the last I heard, though. 
Uh, deeply concerned about Wednesday. Who will guard Champagny? Our best three guards or wings are hurt. We got to go two three zone. Okay. Especially with the reduced numbers, plus R two and Trey getting wiped by these screens. Um, yeah. So who? I don't know. If if Alex is healthy, it's him. If it's not, I don't really know. Hawkins. Maybe. Hawkins and Trey, some combination of yeah. that. Because you've got to have some size, length, because he's he's the kind of guy that will shoot over you even if you're in his face. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be a tough – honestly, that's going to be a really, t- really tough matchup for Creighton, especially if Alex O'Connell doesn't play. I mean, he was the – he was the best player on the floor in the first matchup. So, it's already an entirely different game in that regard, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely don't agree with the 2-3 part because that's just... Uh, I don't think Creighton's a good zone team. I, don't I, think, I especially don't think they're a good 2-3 zone team. Yeah, I, think, I mean, know, it's a nice switch-up at times, like a change-up, but you don't want to be just throwing change-ups all the time. So, I, like... Yeah, a change-up heavy. Unless you're Greg Maddox. Creighton's not Greg Maddox. Yeah. Who else has a good change-up? Uh, These days? I don't know. You know what? Greg didn't even throw a lot of changeups. I mean, he, I mean, he threw a lot, but he went. He didn't lean on it. I don't know. Luis Castillo is supposed to have a really good changeup, but sometimes he gets taken yard a lot. Is he gonna have it? Is Luis Castillo gonna get a different team? I want, I'm curious to see like change of scenery for that guy when he's not in a band box. What he, what his numbers look like? Good question. Yeah, that's it for our questions, though. Oh, cool. So now I just get to say goodbye to you as a beat writer. And it's like a homie, though. We're still going to hang out, right? Still For sure. Out. Yeah. Hey, my friend, please. I I, uh, I think we're going <laughs> to... You'll find that we'll actually have more time to, like... Hang out. Yeah, do some things, so... Yeah, I'm going to miss you on this job, though. Just because... I don't know, dude. It's hard to explain. I've been thinking about this, too, like, because I knew we were going to do this. And, uh... I don't know. You just brought something to it that made me comfortable. I can't explain it. Um, because uh, I don't know. Like when Piv was when Piv was uh, the beat writer, I always kind of felt like I had a mentor. You know, I don't. I don't. We never talked about him being a mentor, but I always felt like I was just trying to learn as much as possible from him. And uh, I wasn't even prepared for him to pass away, even though I knew he was sick. I, th- I, I always kind of, like, in the back of my mind thought, um, you know, he was going to pull through and mm-hmm. be there in the fall. So, like, when he passed away, it hit me pretty hard. And then um, I didn't know you. I hadn't – I we maybe crossed paths a couple times in the baseball – on the baseball beat, but other than that, I don't think we did. Um. So I was in a weird spot, and I think, you know, when you came in and just – I don't know, you made me feel real comfortable just because you were a cool dude and you loved sports. Like, I think it was, you know, like, you, you didn't seem like you were doing it as an obligation, even though it was a job, right? You know what I mean? You seemed like you enjoyed doing it, and I think you helped me to enjoy doing it as well. And because it can be a grind, you know, it's, it's, it's really stressful at times when there's so many things going on at once, and you're trying to, you know, keep your finger on the pulse of all these different teams and players and coaches and rosters and you know on court stuff off court stuff and it's like it can be kind of overwhelming and i think just the the way you the way you are as a person mm. helped me settle into this and i 
I don't know. I'm really grateful for that. Cause I don't, I, but the weird thing is I don't think you did it unintentionally. I think you were just who you were. But then the podcasting part of it, like you had a lot to do with me being comfortable speaking to people. <laughs> so like we were doing this in the media room that first year, right? Was that right? Was it early as that? I remember it, podcasting yeah, it was with you after the K-State game for sure. I don't remember. I don't know if we did that. Yeah, no, because the, the, the year two, yeah, 17, 18 was the year we did it the whole time. Okay. Um, so, uh, gosh, yeah, we podcasted in that arena, didn't we? After Virginia got beat, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Wow. We did. That's a great memory. Um, yeah, because we had done this. We basically had been podcasting without recording it the whole That's right. first yeah. year. We, we were talking for hours like this yep. in empty arenas. And then we were just like, one time we were just like, hey, let's just record this. And we called it the Blue Jay Beat. Just thought it was the best <laughs> title for it because that's what we're doing. Um, I don't know, man. I just think I, there's a lot I owe to Piv for just how to do this thing. But there's a lot I owe to you for how it how to do it in this era, I think. And not let it overwhelm you and just have fun with it at the same time. And I just don't know. I don't know how I will be able to thank you for that, because it could have been. It could have been. I it, I could have started to hate it a little bit if I had had someone who just didn't care as much as you do. Oh well, I I really appreciate you saying that. I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable there. I just was trying to convey some um some of the things I'm gonna miss about this. What uh, one of the things that I one of the things one of the ways that you I think help bring out the best in me is your passion for, I don't know, digging into the details and really figuring out why something's happening. You know, like your ability to, whether it's asking questions or doing your own research, I think that was one of the, uh, I saw that firsthand and like there are a lot of times I feel like you, you didn't maybe you saw something and you did you didn't let it go you know like even if even if somebody said matt that's a stupid idea mm. it, it that didn't necessarily dissuade you from um looking into it and and, and considering it i'm laughing about that because i can't tell you how many times you've inspired a thought <laughs> that has led me down an hour's long <laughs> but i appreciate that about you and, that, and that's i always like i said i always try to take something away from um people that i work with or work alongside and that's one thing that i've i I, I I I like about how you've approached this thing. I think the other thing that you do is you listen first, and I think that's a skill that a lot of people don't have. Mm. Um, so uh, certainly you have your own opinions and your own perspectives, and a lot of times you do like to share that. Most definitely, most definitely. But I think I think you're a good listener, and that's important um, on this job, but in life too. So uh, yeah, I, I always tried to approach this. It, it, it is work, but um, I, I felt like I had a privilege, or like that, that it was a privilege for me to be here in this seat. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would want this job, want this opportunity to tell these stories, to sit courtside and watch basketball and get a mm-hmm. paycheck for it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty sweet. Um, and I definitely never took it for granted. And I tried to, like, because I felt like this job was something that, I was grateful and fortunate to have, like, I never wanted to, I I gave it my all every time that I 
try to embrace the hot, cherish the moments and embrace the happy times and all the fun stories. But I was, you know, everything mattered to me. And so uh, I think, uh, thanks for saying that and thanks for picking up on it a little bit. Um, ultimately, why I'm leaving is because I feel like I can't do that and also be, you know, a good dad and a good husband. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that the demands or the hours You technically required, have three children. One of them's human, the other two are... <laughs> dogs. Animals, yeah. The hours required to I re- be... I, yeah, I've, I've dogs at them, so I understand yeah, yeah, how much you, time you know. and care they require. <laughs> <laughs> um, the hours required to be great at this job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the effort, I mean, those listening to this, like, some of the some of the people who are out there telling stories, some of the national reporters, uh, uh, certainly at the local level, like it takes a lot to be good at this. And uh, Mm -hmm. so don't take that for granted for sure. Like if you, if there are people that you like, shout them out, give them some kudos. It always helps to hear positive feedback. Um, So that, and that honestly, it helped keep me going at times just to hear, Hey, good story or, uh, you know, great write-up or whatever that was important because that's ultimately that's part of the reason why we do it because mm-hmm. we're here to serve our readers, our listeners. You know, that's yeah. so. Um, but yeah, that, that's it. That's as much as I love pouring all my heart and soul and energy into this gig and having a blast doing it. It's like I'm I'm feeling now a little bit more tug and pull. Because I also want to pour my heart and soul and energy into my family, and it's hard to do both. And so, um, I'll, you know, I'll still be energetic and passionate about my next career. It's just going to be between the hours of eight and five, <laughs> and then I can actually clock out. And uh, you know, I do enjoy late night podcasts with you, Matt, and late night conversations that bleed into. Uh, the early morning hours. Yeah, the absurd. The absurd but, the, you know, yeah. it's also good to have a full night's rest to deal with my crazy two-year-old who, yeah. by the way, has been walking around naked in our house for three straight days since we tried to teach him how to use the potty. Let that man live. I mean, he's living a good clothes life right are, now. Clothes are uncomfortable, John. Sure. Just don't let him, you know, as long as he doesn't go outside like that, he's fine. Yeah. The, you know, it's, his yeah. House, it's his house. It is his house now. I mean, he's, it is. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's claimed birth, it with with uh, urine birth, all over the place. So. <laughs> the minute you birth him, it's it's a, your days are numbered as the alpha. So yeah, um, no man, dude. It's uh, honestly like people are gonna know soon what they had. Um, you did a great job on this beat. Like um, your stories are incredible. Your ability to tell stories is incredible. And then just personally, like I just. You're one of the best people I've ever known. So I'm glad that I was able to build a relationship with you personally on a personal level along the way because I, I value that incredibly. So um, I'm I'm fortunate like that that'll continue at least, um, even though we'll probably podcast less and less. But um, people that you know are gonna miss you because um, you did a one you did an amazing job on this beat coming in under tough circumstances because Pivot done a great job too. Like that's not an easy situation to jump into. And the next person who um, has this job will go through that same situation whether they realize it or not, you know, like they've got some shoes to fill. 
and um, but yeah, there's you should have no regrets, and the people who followed you along the way um, should be grateful for the time and effort you put into this thing. And honestly, I'm really happy for you because we kind of like <laughs> we had talked about this day, you know. It was gonna come here eventually, you know. Yeah. It was gonna be here, but um, I'm really happy for you, you and Megan, Simon, and everything. Like I think uh, everything's coming together for you, and I hope you just your next phase of your life professionally allows you to be the person you want to be from a family perspective. Yeah. And that is uh, the last thing I'll say because I could keep rambling. So we're gonna sign off for. For now. How about that? Okay. I don't want to say never, never, never again. Because there might be a time where I'm like, hey, you want to you talk some basketball? And then maybe you'll be like, you know what? I do. That's right. Um, so, yeah. We'll just say signing off for now from the Blue Jay Beat, Johnny Itawa, Matty Marinas. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We always appreciate you guys listening, you guys making this a thing. Because, um, again, we would be – we. <laughs> We just did this, and we just didn't record it. So we're like, hey, what if we organize this a little bit and turn it into a podcast? Thanks you know? for all the questions over the yeah. years. It's been it's been cool to kind of see you the guys growing. make us think like you, the, yeah, you, you and make us think different too. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, you fire off that tweet in the middle of the game, and I'm like, oh, oh do people even really care? <laughs> you know, like, but, it's hit or miss. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, it's been cool to see it grow. Mm-hmm. So now you have the responsibility to keep growing it. Yeah. Maybe Scurry can help you with that. Oh, no doubt. We need to get. We had all the all the all the. Scurry wanted you on the. We, we took a little break, so we're ready to like jump into our Big East takes oh. again. So that we're gonna record that tomorrow. I was but, just saying that we had all the Jays back. You had Damian Jefferson back in the house. Denzel. I, I know. I didn't know they were all coming back. Marcus. This week uh, I think Valak was here too, but he wasn't at the game. Like he didn't stay yeah. for the game today. Um, but Scurry, get Scurry back in, in Omaha. Do we need to? We need to put a Twitter hashtag together. Bring Scurry back. Uh, we should. I'm gonna get that rolling now. <laughs> I'm gonna let him know you've been put on. He's been put on blast about it, so <laughs> that he feels the pressure to return to Omaha for, you know, some kind of ovation. All right, everybody. That's it. That's all we got for you today. That was uh, that's Creighton went over Marquette. Johnny Atawa's final game on the beat. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, follow along the rest of the year. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>